The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Spending too much time on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat actually increase loneliness and depression. 11-year-old Mariana is tired. She's been out on the streets since early in the morning, begging. Today was 40 degrees and it was hard work, but her bubbly personality still showed through. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. But there are so many children, not just in America, but the world over, that don't have loving parents, that are not in a loving situation, that are not cared for, fed, clothed, loved. You can't handle the truth! She just came to me with tears on her face, and she said, I just want to let you know I'm waiting, too, until I'm married. And she was like, I'm scared. I'm scared to tell my friends or tell boys my choice. Start with Hitler and go from there. He was wrong. You don't need the Bible to tell you that. So you think you're ready for the truth, huh? It's a pretty uh, thought-provoking video, isn't it? You just stop and you look at all these different voices, people that have different thoughts and opinions and ideas, people that are making some pretty convicting statements. Others are sounding pretty confusing. Kind of sounds like the world in which we live. There's so much that comes at us every day. If you're like me, oftentimes you begin to have to grapple through all of the issues that are coming and trying to find some way to find some kind of security or some kind of foundational truth to help me stay sane, all the things that I'm facing. And just because of the time and season in which we live, we felt it would be really appropriate to start another series called Truth Be Told. We started last week. And we just thought it would be important to just address some of life's most perplexing questions. Let me go on the record to say I don't believe that I have all the truth. I don't understand it all. I don't think there's a person on the planet today that understands all truth. I think there's a lot of questions that we're going to talk about that are actually going to result in creating more questions, not answers. Because the world in which we live is complex and challenging. And if you're breathing today... You have trials and tribulations and challenges that come your way. Life is perplexing. There isn't a day that goes by that we don't see it or we don't experience all of the challenges that we're facing. So this morning, I want to address just another question. I want to look at another one of these tough subjects. I want to talk about this question. Why does God allow pain and suffering. If you just stop and you think about this, just in the time that we've had the service so far, there's been five children on planet Earth that have died a senseless, violent death because of abuse. Before you put your head on your pillow, another hundred children will face some kind of violent, abusive death. 
And you stop and you ask the question like, God, where are you in that? Do you, do you ask yourself that question when you think about that? You think about the thousands of people today that are going to be in a car accident. Their lives are going to be taken. You think about the senseless shootings that take place in our nation. You just stop and you think about sickness and disease. Enough people will die today from cancer alone that will build almost a, a city, the, a, a, a small city of people. Just, there's, there's just hundreds and thousands of people that face imminent death because of age or sickness or cancer. And if you just push aside that part, just, just the part about, are you guys feeling okay? Aren't you glad you came to church? You're going, this is so encouraging, Pastor Mark, that you have all these statistics. I'm just so excited. <sighs> then we just overlay this with all the natural disasters, and you think about the earthquakes. I think about the one in Haiti. 300,000 people were taken because of one earthquake. You think about the tsunami, I believe it was Tahuku, um, and what took place in 2011 over in Japan, 15,894 people lost their lives. There's still 2,500 people they never found. They're still asking the question, where are their loved ones? And you get to this place, even if you're the strongest Christian, of asking yourself this question. God, why do you allow pain and suffering? In fact, there was a national survey just done, and they asked thousands of people to get a proper representation of our nation. If you could just ask God just one question, forget 100, you just get one chance, what would you ask him? The overwhelming majority, I wanted to ask this question. God, why do you allow all of this pain and all of this suffering to take place? When you think about it, it's a pretty good question. You know, as you step back from it all, again, it's, it's, it seems like pain and suffering is so pervasive that we can hear about something and it doesn't even affect our life unless it's affecting us personally, right? You could be sitting there watching the news, a news update as you're watching the Blazers sorely lose. Jesus, we just stop and pray for that team, God. God, our Blazers need a miracle in Jesus' name. Anyways, I knew something would get someone to clap. My goodness. You can hear about the tornadoes. Lives taken in a tornado, and you go, oh, that's a bummer. Hey, let's get back to the Blazer game. Because it's all around us. Pain and suffering's all around us. And it doesn't seem like that big of a question until pain and suffering comes your way. Sickness in your body. Someone that you love dies. Something that happens that just begins to impact your life in an incredible way. And if you're like me, I come back and I want to ask the question, why? When maybe that's not the right question to even be asking in the first place. But here's a reality, and I just want to put this on the screen here for you to see it. If you're breathing, pain and suffering are a normal part of life. Isn't that just encouraging? And don't you just feel like inspired this morning? You've either, either just got through a trial, you're in one, or one is on the way. Thank you, Pastor Mark. 
Listen to this. Such is the way of life. We live in a westernized concept or context that we actually think that happiness and blessing and wholeness is the absence of pain and suffering. When I think that God has another perspective. Because no matter what you try to do to avoid it, it's coming your way. You might be saying, well, if I just had a little bit more money, ask the Blazers owner, Paul Allen, about that question. He died. He had billions of dollars. Steve Jobs, if I just had money, maybe I'd be better. Maybe pain wouldn't come my way. Sickness wouldn't come my way. Maybe you start thinking about, well, maybe if I was just healthier, then you read the stories of people like Lance Armstrong, one of the greatest cyclists to ever live. He had cancer. He was in the best shape that you could possibly be in. Maybe you're going, okay, it's not about money and it's not about health. Maybe if I just read my Bible more. Maybe if I just pray. Maybe if I just live a holy, pure life. Please do that. But there's no guarantee that that will remove pain and suffering from your life. You think about people and people that I'll ask when I get to heaven, Pastor Wendell Smith. One of the greatest pastors of all time struggled with cancer for seven years before he went home to Jesus. I think about Jack Lohman. Pastor Jack Lohman, a legend here at Manor House, previously City Bible Church, and you look at his life. I mean, here are some of the most godliest, wonderful, incredible men of God that face some of the most horrific diseases in their body. You go back and you ask this question, God, where, where are you in that? Where are you in that situation? Here's some comforting news. Is that there was a book written about this. In fact, it was a book that actually has, I believe, some of the most important truth in it. It's called the Bible. And when you look at the Bible, what you find is that pain and suffering is one of its primary themes. From Genesis... Adam and Eve falling, sickness coming to their lives, death coming their way, and you follow through. Every person mentioned in the Bible had pain and suffering in their life. There's not one. Find one for me. Even Jesus himself faced some of the most horrific pain and suffering, and he was God in the flesh. Just look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and then you get into Moses and you follow through and all of the different um, wisdom literature and you look at Job and Ecclesiastes and you go into the prophets and you finally get to the New Testament and you're thinking maybe Jesus is the one that's just going to just take care of all this and he walked through pain and suffering just like we do. The church's birth, the book of Acts, and you begin to see that here is now with the fresh presence of the Holy Spirit blowing upon them, they too face persecution. Stephen would be stoned. You read the epistles, you go through and you read all the different books from Genesis to Revelation. It's pain, suffering, and there's this message that's woven throughout of it that God's trying to help us understand. I thank God, God that when it gets finally to Revelation, After he tells us that we're going to face intense persecution in the final days, Revelation 22 is this little statement that Jesus makes as he looks back at the story of humanity. 
He says, come quickly. He begs the church, the bride, saying, there's going to come a time when all of your pain and suffering will cease. For those that are followers of Jesus, he promises us that as we come, we'll experience new heaven and new earth. We'll live, live eternity without pain and suffering. That's something I look forward to. Can I hear an amen? But I want you to see this thought here, and this is so important for you to get, is that the entire Bible message leads us to believe, as you look at it all, that God must have a different perspective than we do on these unfortunate realities of life. I have to stop and ask myself the question, are they really unfortunate? Could it be that maybe we have the wrong perspective? Could it, could it possibly be that God isn't actually mean? Could it actually mean that there is some kind of benefit, some kind of deeper truth that God's trying to show us? Possibly. We've been so immersed in a culture that teaches us that if you have pain and suffering, you can't be happy or whole. Maybe we just live in a culture right now that just we've been brainwashed by this westernized context of life. Maybe what we need is a new perspective of what God actually says about why we live in a world with pain and suffering. It reminds me of the story of a farmer and he was coming off his little country road onto the main highway and he's got his mule in front of him, his dog's on the little front part of his buggy and as he pulls out some city slicker comes flying by, hits him about 60 miles an hour with his car. Ends up in a ditch, it looks like they're not going to make it. The sheriff finally shows up and they're laying down there and the sheriff takes a first look at the mule. Legs are broken, bleeding, he feels really bad, but he knows the best thing to do is to relieve this mule of its misery. So he takes out his gun and he shoots the mule. He sees the dog, and the dog's in the same place, just yelping and bodies bloody and just laying there. He looks over at the farmer and he goes, I'm so sorry, and he kills the dog. Then he walks over and he says, Farmer Joe, how are you doing? And he says, never been better a day in my life. Glad three of you got that. Isn't it interesting how truth gives you a different perspective of things? That when you really stop and look at all the circumstances in front of you and you really drill down, that you have a different perspective of what God might have in mind. Here's three scriptures I want you to see. I want to read. I want you to see this. Every one of them talk about pain and suffering and God's response to it. He's saying, this is how you should live when it comes, not if it comes, when it comes your way. Peter says this, 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange when the fiery trial which is to try you is as some strange thing is happening to you. He says, don't think it's strange when fiery trials come your way. It's not strange. Maybe there's something that God has in it. And then he says this, but rejoice. Like, is, is God crazy? I mean, you think about the trial. You think about the pain, the suffering, some of the grief. Some of you that have lost loved ones just going, rejoice? Really? 
Is there like another like verb you could use there? Rejoice? To the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, that you may, and listen to this, that you may also be glad with his exceeding joy. Pain? Joy? Suffering? Glad? It's like, God, what are, you, what, are you, what are you trying to tell us here? How about this? David, a man who faced many, many hardships. He says this in Psalm 34, 1 through 3. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Now listen to how he contextualizes this thought. He says, my soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear what I just said and rejoice. So wherever you're out, whatever you're facing, whatever trial is in front of you, he says right there in the midst of it, your darkest moment, your most loneliest hour, he says, stop right there and say, I'll bless the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. I mean, it's a great thing to clap at, right? I mean, we just go, amen, but it's just like, when we're in the midst of it, it's like the last thing that I want to do is bless the Lord. I'm mad at God. He took my loved one. There's sickness in my body. And he's trying to help us understand that beyond what you see, there's something more that he wants you to see. And then James comes along, one of those closest to Jesus. James 1, 2 and 4 says this. Again, look at, throughout the Bible, there's these, these two issues that juxtapose themselves against each other. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Are, are you guys with me this morning when, when you read that? You just go, man, I just, it seems like there's this disconnect. Joy and pain. Over and over again, God's trying to communicate to us that as we position ourselves in the context of our pain and suffering, there's something greater that God wants to do than what you think he's doing. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God realizes that there's some work to still do in you. And verse 12 goes on to say, well, blessed is the man, here's that word, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that is promised to those who love them. God, help us as we look at those scriptures. God, help us to see that maybe there's a different perspective that you have. So what's pain and suffering? It's simply this. It's anything that causes pain, distress, or calamity. Whether we like it or not. There's lots of different views on this. People, educators, philosophers, different religions. They would all say one thing in common. 
pain and suffering exist. It's a reality of life. That this actually fits every single one of their philosophies or doctrines. But I want to look at what the Bible says. and I, I, You need to lean in here because this is really important that you understand the what before you understand the why. The biblical view of, of, of suffering is shaped by what the Bible actually is. It doesn't say what it teaches, although it teaches it. It says what the Bible actually is. Fundamentally, the Bible is a story. It's a story from where the world came from, what has gone wrong with it, and what God is doing to set it right. It's kind of like a play. Anybody love going to plays? Anybody like plays at all? I love my wife and I occasionally will go down to the, go see Lion King or uh, Phantom of the Opera, and I won't mention the other one because I didn't know how to pronounce it first service, and they laughed at me, and I don't want you to laugh at me. But it was a good play. It was called Dumbo. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that. Here's, here's what you find in every play is that there's different acts. They have an opening act. They have a couple acts and then a closing act, and there's these different acts. When you read the Bible, you find that there's actually four acts, if you will, or four chapters that you see in history. And this is real important to understand pain and suffering. There's, first of all, creation. God created everything to be good. Chapter number two, man decided that he could do it better than God and follow their plans. Chapter two, the fall. That's where evil entered. And as a result of the evil came pain and suffering. Then you have redemption, meaning that Jesus came. Why? It's because God loved every single one of you so much, regardless of your rebellion, regardless of your independence and thinking that you can do life without God. He came to die in your place so that when you get around to serving him and loving him, he'll be there with you, open arms to help put your whole life back together again. And then ultimately chapter four, which I love, is the whole chapter on restoration. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And when you look at these particular chapters, what you find is that there's a reason why pain and suffering exist. And so I want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about why does pain and suffering exist. If we look at the whole story and we see these four chapters and we look at the fall, can we have a better understanding now of why it exists and how we're supposed to position ourselves in the context of that thing that's happening to me right now or will happen to you tomorrow? So let's just talk about that for a second. Why does God allow pain and suffering. The first thing that we've got to address that the Bible talks about is that pain and suffering reveals the reality of a broken world that has turned their back on God. Here's what we find out. Pain and suffering entered as a result of our rebellion, meaning that the fallenness of man is what's created the pain and suffering God didn't. What we want to do is we want to blame him for what we see, when in reality, it's our own problems that created it. 
And maybe it's not necessarily a problem or a sin in your life. It just may be that you're born into this thing called humanity. And our fallen world then has things like sickness and disease. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. If you have a loved one that's passed away or there's a sickness or something, it doesn't mean that you have sin in your life. It just means that you live in a fallen, broken world where sickness and disease exist. But it's still a result of humanity as a whole. Are you with me? And we have to understand that there's always consequence to our behavior. We live in a world that understands this. For instance, there's the laws of nature, right? So we understand gravity. If you jump off a building, you splat. You don't fly. You try to defy one of the laws of nature, what happens? You pay a consequence for your stupidity. There's also what's known as the laws of man. So if you speed, you get a ticket. How many got a ticket in the last week or so? No, just don't raise your hand. When you, when you violate a law that's been established by man, there's a consequence. You rob a bank, you go to jail. So there's different consequences that you pay when you violate a law of man. There's also the laws of God. That when you violate a law of God, the Bible says that when you have sinned, that all of us, because of our sin nature, that we fall short of God's glory. We all fall short of his glory. The wages of sin equals death. That's, the Bible says that when we have done something that is different from God, he separated us, this is before Christ, is that we actually have this immeasurable gap between God and us. And it's important to understand that. And it's in that context that you see this scripture. And again, when, when Adam and Eve fell, we see God, the very first mention, we see what God is saying is, is that there is going to be a consequence to your behavior. That consequence is pain. It's suffering. It will follow humanity until the return of Christ. To the woman, he said this, and this is Genesis 3, 16 and 19. He says, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. And all the ladies that want to thank Eve say amen. With pain, here's the word again, with pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Then he says to Adam, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. He said, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. And it goes on to say, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And thank God for all the mosquitoes and all that stuff. And you will eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, and I love this, from dust you are and dust you will return. This is what God's saying. There's a consequence. Because of man's rebellion, there's pain and suffering. There's brokenness. There's violence. People that are far from God, they, just, they shoot people. They do, they do vile things. Isn't this all the more reason for us to want to tell the world that there's a Savior that loves him? 
When we look at all the problems that are around us and we see the challenges that are, as the world is falling apart at the seams, this is our day, this is our hour, as we talked in our previous series, to be the Daniels of our age, to engage with society, to not separate ourselves, to not blend in, but to just have a voice and to say, there is an answer, there's a solution, there's a hope, there's a peace. There's something that God can do for you to help you in your hopeless situation. Here's the second thing that we see of why pain and suffering exists. It causes people to turn to God as their only hope. By nature, we're just inevitably selfish. You don't have to teach your two-year-old to rebel. Mine. It's, just, it's born into us. And the more successful we are, the easier it is to do life without God. You read the book of Judges, and every time that they begin to be blessed, it says that they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord would begin to remove his blessing to where they go, oh God, I need you, you're our only hope. He says, thank you, you're finally getting it, and God would intervene. And sometimes, you know what we want to do? We just kind of want to just say, God, I need you, kind of. Lord, right now, maybe your whole life, you know, it's just you dive into a Sunday morning, you got your little devotions, and somewhere something happens. Have you ever noticed, like, when a real tragedy comes, it's like, oh, God, I need you. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to allow you to stay that way. And sometimes he allows trials and pain and suffering to help you understand that really, he's your only hope. And to recognize that every time that your heart beats, it's because he allowed it to beat. That every breath, it's because he gave you the ability to breathe. God, you're my only hope. Remember a little girl, she was writing this note to God in her journal, a six-year-old girl. She got in trouble for hitting her brother, and she wrote this note in her journal. It said, dear God, I'm so sorry for hitting my brother and making him cry although I think he deserved it. And when I really need more from you, I will confess all of the rest of the things I did wrong. Don't we compartmentalize God? I mean, mean, if we're real honest, sometimes we just need to get the you out of you. We just, we just got to get to that place, and God allows us to happen. Why? Because he's trying to develop character and faith and perspective that we would focus on the things which are unseen, not the things which are seen. Even if you're not in some kind of life of sin, sometimes even God does something that we can never answer. Why did God take that loved one? Why do I, as a godly person, have sickness in my body? Questions you may never get answered this side of eternity. But one thing you can answer is what God told Isaiah to tell the people. He says, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. Someone needs to hear that today. God's saying to you today, you're mine. When you're in over your head, I will be there for you. Personalize that right now. God, where are you? Why am I going through this? What's happening in my marriage? What's happening in my life? And you just go, he's just saying, listen, 
I might not give you the answer why, but I want you to know I'm there. I'm there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Someone should say amen. So it helps us to understand that there's a world that has turned their back on God. It helps us to understand that he's our only hope. Here's the next thing that it does that I hope we all get, and that's that pain and suffering comes to strengthen us. Anybody ever go to the gym? One time, at least last service we got like one hand. Anybody ever been one time? Okay, that should be every hand. If not, Jesus, help us. How many go all the time? Okay, good. That's good. There's the saying, no pain, no gain, right? And there's something in that when you work your muscles, there's actually a tearing that strengthens. We see it in nature. It's also the same in God's kingdom. That sometimes he allows certain things to happen, even though he may not create them. He allows them to happen. Why? To strengthen you. Joy, patience, love, kindness, gentleness. Whatever it might be, he allows those things to happen. And I just think of the the redwood trees as I drive through the the coastline of California, and you see these big monstrous red trees, three hundred redwood trees. They're three hundred feet tall, and you wonder how do they stand when these Pacific winds come over a hundred miles an hour, pushing these on these trees? Why don't they fall? And in nature, what you see is that the redwood roots don't only just go down, although not very far, they begin to grow out. And they look for the roots of the other trees next to them, and they begin to intertwine, and they begin to build. So it's like when the winds come, I mean, they're just connected, like arm in arm with the other tree, and the winds come, and they just go, whoa! It's just kind of like, oh, yeah! And he's just, I mean, if they could talk, they'd just be going, bring it on me! Yeah, whoa! Right? They're just, Woo! And rarely do you see a redwood tree even 300 feet tall, the size of a football field tall. You know, fall, why? It's because they're strengthened. That's what Manor House is all about. If you're not in a group, get in one. Because listen, when trials come, when pain and suffering comes, don't be alone. You get in a group, not just for the good times, you get in it for the bad times, and they do come our way. Think of Renee and what she faced with all of her cancer and the way that the church rallied around her. We could go around every single one. When I think of Glenda and what you went through, Frank, I think of you losing your wife and what you went through, and we could go around the room of all these faces. Thank God for family. I was just talking to Frank before, just coming alongside of him. We're just looking at each other with tears in our eyes. I'm just thinking, thank God that we have each other. We're a strength to each other. We're there to help each other. Manor House, church isn't about a weekend service. It's not about 75, 80 minutes a weekend. It's about doing life together. Because pain and suffering is a reality. Help us. these last two and I'm done, is pain and suffering equips us to help others in pain. So what Paul says, I love this. 
praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. That's what we've been talking about. He says, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I I don't understand that part of God's economy, God's kingdom. So you're saying that I have to go through this pain so that I can be a witness and a strength to others? You mean it just doesn't end with me getting back to a place of happiness and wholeness? I think of people like Johnny Erickson Tata in a diving accident at 17 years old, dove into a pool, busted her neck, paralyzed from the waist down. She's thinking, God, why'd you take me out of the game? God says, I'm just putting you in. And for the last decade, she would minister to millions of disabled people as a voice to say, God is with you. You have a future. You have a plan. God is in your corner. Yes, we live in a fallen world. Yes, it's broken. It's filled with pain and suffering. But God can use you. It's not over for you. And you talk to her, and she says that she would go through it all over again to be able to use in the way that she is. How about Corey Tembu? She watches her family be murdered before her eyes. Six million Jews would be taken out by Hitler. She'd go through the Holocaust. Her sisters and family would be raped right in front of her. You're going like, God, where are you in that? And even though God didn't create that, he says, I'm going to use that for your good. And so she would spend the rest of her life ministering to millions of people saying, despite the pain that you're facing, you can forgive them. You don't have to live in bondage and hatred and strife any longer. That you can be in a place where you can forgive and live a life of freedom and a life of wholeness. That was her message. Listen, every one of you in this room, you've gone through something. There's pain, there's suffering loss of a loved one, sickness, divorce. Maybe some of you have gone through and experienced an abortion. I mean, we could go down the list of all of these things that have happened to us or things that we've done. Listen, God wants to use it for his glory. He wants to use it. Listen, look at me, look at me. I'm almost done. Look at me, look at me, look at me. God never called you to be a victim. He called you to be a victor. He didn't want you to live life bitter. He wanted you to live life better. And you have a choice to make in the midst of your pain and suffering. As the scripture says, he allowed that to happen and he comforts you in it so that you can comfort others in trouble with the comfort that you've received. God, help us. Last and I'm done. get Renee up here to preach, man. She's been through great ministry in her life as a result of her cancer. 
pain and suffering reminds us of what awaits us in the end. Guys, listen. You're just passing through. We think it's all about now. It's, it's just like we spend all of our money and all of our time to try to make our life better here when it's all going to burn. You're just passing through. The Bible calls you aliens, strangers. It says you're not of this world. You're in it, but you're not of it. You're just passing through. And that's what Paul's trying to tell us in Romans 8, that even though we're suffering now, there's nothing. Oh, you got to hear this. There's nothing compared to the glory awaits us later. Imagine, come on, eternity free from pain and suffering. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no division. There's no loneliness. There's no depression. There's no discouragement. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. We spend eternity. And maybe he's just preparing us for what it's going to be like. Let us get our eyes off of the things which are seen and let us look at the things that are unseen. God, I may not have all the questions answered. Why do you allow it? Those five are good enough for me for right now. You bow your head, close your eyes. When you're here this morning, you're just going... And I'm in the dogfight of my life. There's something upon you right now. You're feeling pain. You're suffering. Sickness in your body. You don't think that your marriage is going to work out. You don't think that your kids are going to come around. There's sickness and disease. I believe that the Holy Spirit right now wants to put a fresh faith and a fresh strength into your life right here and right now. Just while, while, while heads are closed and eyes are bowed, if that's you and you're just going, man, Pastor Mark, pray for me. Just hand up, hand down. Just want to see it. That's you. Come on. Come on, hand up. Come on, I'm facing something right now. Come on, there's hands all over the place. Come on. Just put your hand up. Say, Jesus, come on, I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out. I'm reaching out. Come on, I need your faith. I need your hope. I need your life. Jesus, I thank you for literally the hundreds of hands, those that are listening online. Lord, would you come right now? God, would you help them to see, God, that you love them. God, that you have never left them. You've not forsaken them. They're not alone. You are their God. Lord, you're there for them. The battle is yours. We can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And I pray that as they leave today, that there's a fresh faith. God, there's a fresh strength. There's new perspective on what they're going through. Lord, that they could stand up and smile. And as we read those scriptures, God, that there would be gladness and exceedingly joy, knowing that despite the pain, you are at work in their lives. Come on, do that right now, God. God, we trust you for that. God, we love you, Jesus. Let me just ask one question and I'm done. If you walked in here today 
Maybe you're new to our family. And you, you recognize that maybe you feel all alone because maybe you are. Maybe you've never made that public step, that official step to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And maybe today the light's gone on and you said, maybe the reasons why it's so tough is because I don't have God by my side because I'm far from him. The beauty of this whole story, chapter three, redemption. Jesus came to die for you so that you could have a personal, intimate relationship with his father. He will forgive you. He will restore you. He will take away all of the guilt and the shame. He will take away the loneliness and regret, and he'll fill you with love. But you just simply need to say, Jesus, I need you. And if that's you, eyes closed, heads bowed, hand up saying, you're speaking to me, Pastor Mark. Boom, thank you. Just keep your hand up, come on. Whoever you are, just put your hand up in the back here. Thank you. Let all the angels in heaven rejoice. Here's a hand over here. Thank you, man. Come on, put your hands together for these people as they raise their hand. Come on. This is a joyous moment. This is a beautiful moment. This is a wonderful moment. All he's going to do when he catches you is love you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on. Hands up. Say, I need Jesus today. If you're online, I just want to let you know there's a little button there. Click it. There's a service host that can help you, pray for you. Anyone else? Come on. Put your hand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to stop and thank you for these beautiful people. Lord, this is what it's all about, people getting their life right with you. Lord, would you come and touch their world, their life? God, I don't know their circumstance, but you do. You promised you would make us a new creature. God, you give us a new start. You said, behold, all things passed away, and behold, all things become new. Bless them today. Help them in their journey. God, even as they fill out that card they've received, God, and turn it in, would you help them, Lord, to just engage themselves with the family, God, that they would be linked with us. They would become part of our family. God, that we could tell the stories of the goodness of God in their life. Come on, Manahouse family, put your hands together for these people one more time.